When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. The house. Oh, it's an amazing, amazing night. All kinds of shit is breaking loose right here. But let's start by uh, letting you know where you are. You are in Dad Band Land. That's the podcast that goes over every piece of music you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. I'm Adam Felber. I'm the keyboard player of the band. If there is a band, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and uh, I want to introduce my co-host and uh, one of our two lead guitarists of our former band. That would be Kevin Burke. <laughs> Kevin, welcome. What song are we going to be dissecting tonight? Well, Adam, tonight we are going to do an obscure song from the 60s called Parentheses. I can't get no end parentheses satisfaction by a band called the Rolling Stones, who... Some yeah. people might be familiar with. We're gonna. Um, I'm familiar talk about with it being yet another track that the band picked that doesn't have a keyboard part. But Kevin, I'm just gonna what? rush what? ahead. Wait, wait, and what? I'm gonna rush ahead because there's uh, there's some you know breaking okay. news here tonight. Okay, yeah, because we gotta so get back to that. I yeah. want to introduce uh, oh, my good friend, band manager extraordinaire, and owner of the most extensive vinyl collection I've ever seen from the House of Wax. It's Brian Frank. Brian, what album have you brought for us this evening? What's on an anniversary? We're going to talk about Kevin's new favorite album, uh, Wilco's <laughs> Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. How old is that album this week? Uh, well, that's going to be part of our conversation, but yeah. uh, the retail uh, release of this record was April 23rd, 2002. So at the time of this recording, we're celebrating 20 years. 
Excellent, excellent. And now, ordinarily, I would be turning to our chief technology officer after thanking our chief vinyl officer, Brian, um, and asking him what our big question of the week is going to be. But here's the thing. Our chief technology officer's computers have all crashed tonight. <laughs> what? Jeffrey what? Brannion what? is not in the house. Um, <laughs> and so I would be asking him what the question is, and I'll just tell you what the question is because the answer is Jeffy's not going to fucking answer. Um, right. <laughs> he'll be here later in the show. The question is cover songs that are better than the original. We're going to be talking about that. Now, Brian, uh, Brian and Kevin, you're wondering why I'm rushing you through the our intros. Yeah, we're really uncomfortable about this. What's I was happening? just about to say important. that. Yeah. Just like a couple yeah. of weeks ago, we have a surprise guest. Um, oh, yeah? And in, in this case, it's a surprise guest who's uh, kind of a returning guest, I, I believe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from... Uh, as as not heard last week from Ninja Sex Party, we've got uh, Ninja Brian. Ninja Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome to Dad Band Land. Well, sorry, am I supposed to fucking talk this week or, or what? <laughs> what? Like, well, no, listen, listen. What? Okay, yeah. let me let me speak dad language to you guys. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> upset about it. I am sincerely disappointed. Ow, that hurts worse. For, <laughs> well, yeah, as as it should because look, okay, number number one. Do you know how hard I fucking tried to distinguish myself from this silent ninja character? I didn't, when, I, when we started the band 13 years ago, I didn't know I would be resigning myself to not talking yeah. for the rest of my comedic career. I have spent <laughs> years now trying to actually have a voice. And what did you do? Yeah. You stole it from me oh. without asking. Oh, well, you okay? know what? You know what? It was Adam. It was not me. I would never do such Why a thing. Why would you throw well, me under the bus like that? What? No, what? Exactly my loyalty what is, is my loyalty just ends immediately. The minute there's pressure on, I would dump you or throw you under the bus. Yeah, that that confirms every instinct I had. So <laughs> I, 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 I completely, I completely uh, believe it. Well, uh, look, your 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 stage persona is silent, and we thought, what's the harm if we just sort of like welcomed you as a guest because you were what's talking? the harm? <laughs> the harm, the harm is to my brand. Okay, oh. so I have a personal oh. brand, guys, yeah. that I'm trying desperately to maintain. Yeah, it's 2022. That. We all get it. I would think that experienced entertainers such as yourself would understand this, but <laughs> I guess what? not. This, this is show 11, <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, experience Brian, is in quotes. Brian, I'm going to take responsibility for this, even though it was Kevin's idea, and I just want to say, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry we pretended. You know what, I wish I, I could believe you. Let me add to that. Let me take responsibility of this, too. Adam yeah. is definitely sorry that he did all of this. Okay. Well, you know what? I Wait, who, who is that? It's Jeffy Brannion. Uh, I just, I, I, I feel like I'm sorry to be the one to say this. I, I, I don't believe the apology. Wow. You, Jeffy no, Brannion, you, know you finally yeah. dipped in here to do that. He, he well. shows up just <laughs> to just bring down your apology. That's, good. Wow. That's a good bit. He's I mean, like an I assassin, an apology assassin. I, I didn't bring it down. I just made an observation. Well, welcome, Jeffy. As chief technology officer, can you tell us what delayed you tonight? Technology? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeffy, yeah, this, is, had... this is Brian Wecht, a.k.a. Yes. Ninja Brian oh. from Ninja Sex Party. I wanted who you guys to meet. Who talks, welcome. apparently, and that's the mistake that Adam made in the previous weeks. Yeah, well, yes. we've tried to tell him about that. All right, so here yes, we are. Listen. Um, Brian Wecht, uh, will you accept my apology and maybe hang on around on our show for a little bit? 
I formally accept your apology. There we Ooh. go. See, guys, was, you just have to <laughs> that level. Was nice. That was so well good. handled. You know, that was very sad, like of both of you. you I, have I'm that very used to. I'm used to get, being apologized to. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now, um, Brian, we we worked together on a, some kind of completely different project a couple of months ago. We met, and I. Yep. After meeting you, th- thought you were a great guy and, and looked into your band, Ninja Sex Party. And that that band is a phenomenon. You guys are so funny. Uh, you're so awesome. And oh, you, dude, thank you. Uh, and, and we have a background. It turns out, and Jeffy, you're going to love this. Um, yes. Ninja Brian has a, a background, not just in improv, but in improv in Boston, just like you and me. Oh, wow. You want to tell us yeah, about that, Brian? A- yeah, so I was, I'll say I was the musical director for the Improv Asylum for about three years uh, in the mid-2000s, and I was a regular uh, musician and occasional cast member at Improv Boston uh, for my, the same three or four years in there. So yeah, this is in like the, let's see, this would be mid-2000s, like 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, around there. And it was early 90s when I was there um, in and occasionally directing Improv Boston, and Jeffy, you were there doing what? Um, I was there uh, going to college. And doing some improv in Boston. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I, was, uh, I was with Guilty Children and uh, USITL. Two venerable organizations Stasha. that were long dead by the time Brian got there. Yes, yeah, I, Brian, I, I, Brian <laughs> had wept I've over the graves of those, yeah. of those organizations. But yeah. I d- no, actually, I, w- w- I have heard of them because we would take our, our weekly pilgrimage to piss on the graves. Oh, of, of oh yeah. Of them, so yeah. That's good. That's good. So, Brian, here's what I want to get to is um, would you tell everybody, because like here at Dad Bandland, we're such an overnight success as a podcast that we're all yeah, pretty much massive. on the verge of quitting our day jobs. But mm-hmm. about six or seven years ago, you quit your day job to do Ninja Sex Party full time. You want to tell me a little bit about that and what you were doing? Yeah, so I had uh, a full-on, like, full career as an academic. I was a theoretical physicist. Uh, I did string theory, supersymmetry, quantum field theory, particle physics kind of stuff, and uh, went through the whole academic gauntlet and eventually became a professor in London, although, of course, in England they don't call us professors. I was a lecturer, technically. Uh, (laughs) And uh, in the meantime, somewhere along there, I started this comedy band, and just about a year after I, after dragging my very understanding wife around from place to place to place for postdocs and, and all these moves, we moved to London. I said, this is the last move ever. I'm a professor. It's a permanent position. We got it. <laughs> then this ridiculous comedy band, Ninja Sex Party, started to get popular enough. And I was like, well, maybe I should just uh, try that. And uh, it seemed like it was a, a reasonable risk to take. So after three years in London, I moved back to the States, to L.A., to try this comedy thing out full time. And it's, uh, yeah, that was about seven years ago now. What's more fun? Wow. Um, being a ninja. Being a ninja <laughs> is more fun than being <laughs> an academic true. physicist. Yes. Being the ninja at the uh, sex party. Yes. Yeah, um, that's that's right. Yeah. Now you you and your partner, uh, Danny, right? Uh, Danny yep. uh, Sexbang. Danny Sexbang. Yes. Yeah. Um, you guys write all the songs together. You've been doing it since you were, you know, doing it. I guess in Boston because I recognize Boston in those early videos. Um, yep. And 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 what what's next down the road? I mean, you guys have mutated a couple of times. Your videos are now high production, although the humor remains very similar. Although I mm-hmm. sense that you're kind, you know, you're kind of mutating, you're growing, you're changing. You now have two amazing cover albums out. Yeah. Uh, three, actually. Three. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And we've talked about yeah. we, two weeks ago. We covered uh, uh, Toto Four. So I I pointed oh, all these nice. guys to your cover of Africa. Which yeah, is, which oh, is I love Toto. Very on point. Toto well Four done. is such a great album. Well Never done. gets old. Thank you. Thank what you is it much. about the cover songs that that like really jazzes you? Is it is it that the audiences just go crazy when you go from one of your incredibly funny songs to Africa? I mean, probably the thing that's the most exciting is that we don't have to write them. Uh, <laughs> that someone else wrote them for us, and all we have to do is play them. It's so much easier. Uh, but the other thing is that yeah, so we we were butting up against this thing where we were like, you know, we're full time musicians. This is how we make our our living. And it's hard to write albums. So we were like, what can we do that we would be excited about and uh, and would be, you know, a fun project, but also let us keep, you know, keep the keep the whole machine churning. And uh, we had done a couple covers. Actually, our first one was a of the theme by uh, Jimmy Webb of The Last Unicorn. The, you know, oh, the animated nice. movie, The Last Oh, my Unicorn. God. The, the animated, the Rankin-Bass yeah. animated yeah. Yep. movie I based could... on the amazing novel by Peter S. Beagle. Yes, absolutely. It was The Last <laughs> Unicorn. You covered I that? I, I, I sang that song a lot in my own, as a child. That definitely was in my, that melody is still in my brain right now. It, I sang it her, this morning. Oh. In terms of unexpectedly great melodies and animated features that didn't succeed on a high level, I would rank that right up with Bright Eyes from Watership Down by Art Garfunkel. Yeah, 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 totally, <laughs> totally. That, that, is such, that is such a specific group yeah. of two songs. That's what you yeah. Very that's, well done. That's the extent of that list. That's oh a great God. list you put together. Highly controversial. Top so, two. Yeah. So you started, so, you started with... Uh, you, you decided to eschew the Art Garfunkel one. Started with the yes, that's Rankin right Bass for whatever one. reason, and, and, yeah, that, and, and that launched you onto your cover career. Yeah, we we did that. There was because uh, my my partner Danny is a is a big fan of the Last Unicorn, and we decided to try it. And it was like, oh, that was fun. And then we just started. We kept doing covers, and it was like, oh, I guess we should do a let's do a full album of them. And then we realized that we could do this thing where we kind of alternate original and cover albums. And while one album is in the writing phase, the other can be in the production phase. And it's, you know, you guys know it's a different challenge to do a cover than it is to do an original. It's not, you know, better or worse. It's just different. And so it was really fun to go back to all the songs we do are from the 70s and 80s pretty much exclusively. We once tried to do a song, and I'm not kidding, from 1992, and it was like, eh, no, I'm not, not feeling it. It's, <laughs> what was it? It's too, what was it? Too recent. It was Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. We discussed that on this show. <laughs> that was a guilty pleasure. That was one of our first. We have a guilty pleasure section at the end of our show, and that was one of the first guilty pleasures was the Spin Doctors. It's, it's, and, and it's look, the song it, with no chorus. Well, yeah, so it's a great song, and we got in the studio, and we were going to cover it, and it was like, how do you do this at all differently? Like right, it, right. It, it just didn't work. We tried a few different things. All we kept coming back to was the exact same version as the original. <laughs> because it's, it's perfect like, as it is. Because <laughs> it's perfect as it is. It is exactly right for what it is. Also, uh, to, to be so, fair, Dan, Danny's persona feels very 80s, doesn't it? Late 70s, yes. 80s. 100%. Um, but talk to, talk to me about what you said. How do you make it different? Because um, your covers are fairly faithful to the originals in terms of their, yes. their instrumentation. What is it that you're doing that gives them the, you know, that particular ninja sex party spin? Do you think what, what are you looking for when you're looking to do something a little different? Uh, well, let's see. So we, when we want to really, so we, we have somewhere we really mess them up. Uh, we do a cover of, uh, my favorite Oingo Boingo song. We close our eyes, which yeah. is kind of a oh, deep yeah. cut, but it's a great, song. a great song. 
And that one we really dismantled and, you know, we put in a very long slap bass solo in the middle, which is always an option. That's and, awesome. Uh, but uh, typically, you know, we, we, we're trying to write for the band we have, which is pretty versatile, but also very synth heavy. And so we go a lot towards this, uh, this kind of synth pop stuff. And if it's not synth pop, we sort of, you know, maybe move it a little closer to, uh, <laughs> you synth pop to, it. to synth pop. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's it's challenging because we also with the two of us in the band, we have different philosophies. Danny likes to be more faithful to the original and I want to deconstruct everything and really blow it out of the water. And we meet somewhere uh, somewhere in the middle. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Now, I just want to tell all our listeners, because, Brian, our our fan base is so much bigger than yours. Um, You guys should really check out both the. (laughs) That's why I'm here for the exposure. (laughs) Right. Check out the Ninja Sex Party, both yeah. both sets of their albums because they're they're just fantastic. And, and in fact, um, oh, thank you. It, it's hard for me to choose between the two of them. Yeah, so we have all these followers, um, but I do want to point out that that your band it's rise to fame, and you do have like you know like us, you've got millions of views on your stuff, yeah, literally millions. Yes. And it was almost all on the internet, right? Entirely, yeah. yeah. So, in fact, in a, the, we started off doing small clubs, small improv clubs in New York, and after playing to an audience of almost five people several times, <laughs> uh, we were like, maybe, and this is late 2000s, we were like, YouTube seems like the move because we can reach five people much more easily. Right. And uh, it was, you know, honestly due to YouTube that we got any sort of traction. And then my partner joined a, a gaming channel, a Let's Play channel called Game Grumps, which was popular when he joined. And that's what really led this to be a full-time career as opposed so to just a, a cool. hobby. Now, how do you suggest that's we awesome. do it? Well, uh, one of you should join <laughs> if, if Game we needed Grumps. To. If we needed yeah, to. I would yeah, definitely advise don't. you to join Game Grumps uh, <laughs> as one of the two co-hosts. Yeah? Both spots okay. are, okay. are not available. Is that the Let's... first step on the road to fame and, and glory? Yeah, well, sorry, I should have said the first thing you should do is go to grad school for theoretical physics, of course. Oh, well, well, let's just assume we've done that. Yeah, yeah, assume we're there. Great. Well, then, okay, then you need to do, you need to be a postdoc for eight years. Okay. Okay. How's that? Can 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 we do them the same time? Can we do that while we're we're getting famous? I'm sorry, give me time to write it down. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, Okay, Let's move on. Um, so I picked, this was on our Trello board as like a, a possible topic to discuss, but I picked this one because of you, uh, tonight that we're going to, oh. we're now, I'm hoping you'll stay around for our cocktail party conversation yeah, segment. Excellent. For sure. We're going to do covers that are better than the original. And the, I have two caveats here. Number one, the original should be something that people already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, because of your special, um, probably a uh, bias they can't be ninja sex party covers. Okay, great. Is that cool. fair? Yes, that's totally fair. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Stern, who wants but to, fair. Who, who wants right, to open it? Um, I don't mind opening it. You want to do it, Jeffy? Do it. Well, I, I, I'm only doing it because I, I really just have two. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to do it. Do um, it. Respect. Mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, between that and the following song, I really just couldn't come up with anything better. Katie Lang, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now, now you're talking about the, um, the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah. Yes. There are a lot of I people had... who would 
break out other versions of somebody might say Rufus uh, Wainwright. Sure. Somebody might they, say they might. Um, Jeff Buckley. Jeff, Jeff Buckley. Buckley. Was on that's my a list. really good one. Right. Yeah, yeah that that's a really list. good one for that. I think sure. that's one of those rare. It's great, great that you brought it up. That's one of those rare songs where every cover is better than the original. <laughs> and I don't hate the original. Right. No, but you're right. Yeah. yeah, that's a great one, Jeffy. Respect is well. I bet most people don't even know that. No, um, that it's a cover. Two years before Aretha Franklin recorded "Respect" in 1967, I, it was a hit by its sure. author Otis Richard, Redding. Otis Redding. That's right. Those are yeah. both great. That's all I got. They were kind of well, both like in their own way. They kind of said everything I need to say about this topic. Thank you well, very much. Jeffy, it's a good segue because Otis's um, performance of Respect at Monterey Pop is pretty slaying. And Jimi Hendrix's cover of Wild Thing Ooh. at Monterey Pop is pretty slaying. And here's the thing. I didn't you think realize. You he beats the Trogs? Yes, he beats the Trogs. And this is what I didn't realize. In my head, when we, when we started, when, we were, when I was thinking about this topic, I didn't realize Hendrix never recorded a studio version of Wild Thing. All, no, really? the, all the Hendrix Wild Thing in my head is live, and that blows my oh, mind. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wild. I didn't know that. Um, he was not terrible live. <laughs> no, he was, and he was pretty good at covers. He was yeah. pretty yeah. good at covers yeah, all along the Watchtower. All right? along the Watchtower yeah. has got to be on um, everybody's list of covers that are arguably absolutely. better than the original. I mean, when he was playing the guitar list. anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. His oboe work, I yeah. think, is a little overrated, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, Some sus so, bassoon, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bassoon also not so good. Um, but I had a hard time with better than the definition of better than covers mm. that are better than. But because I you will, like fucking everything, we've established. No, that no, many no. Times. That's not right, what I'm saying. No, but, but, but you know, um, one thing that strikes me that I particularly enjoy is the Ramones version of California Sun. That that oh, was almost on my list. That's a, yeah. that's a very good version of that. That's that's, that's um, interesting. But I like that one, and I have a couple others that it's hard to say better than. There's so many Bob Dylan covers out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, right. before yes. we get to your right. others, let's yeah. keep let's let's keep rolling around. Keep going. Ninja. Instead of Brian Frank, Ninja Brian. Give us a couple of your covers that are better than yeah. the original, not by Ninja Sex Party. Not by well, of course, all the Ninja Sex Parties are superior to the originals. Let's given. Just that That's as, a given. Stated. So stipulated. Uh, that's a given. Yes. yes, thank you. Uh, the first one that occurs Just to so. me is uh, Celine Dion's cover of All By Myself, which is oh. so that original that Eric oh. Carmen version the, the original is great, but he's so pitchy on the vocals that it throws me off every time I hear it. And then you have one of the greatest singers in history, like completely crush it. And they still have that weird instrumental bridge in it. It's uh, it, it just kicks the ass of the original, like fantastic. In fact, we haven't stopped yet. Let's hear, um, uh, in, either into or out of the bridge to that right now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, right. I love the right. idea 
of uh, if some of if some of your fans find their way to this podcast of Ninja Sex Party fans finding their way to Celine Dion. That's just that just makes me yeah. very happy. Yeah. All right, <laughs> what else you got? Give us another one, Brian. Uh, the other one it, uh, that occurred to me, this is, uh, people probably know it cause it got sampled a lot, but the Bob James, I'm a huge Bob James fan. His cover of the Paul Simon song, take me to the Mardi Gras. Uh, you know, it's from, I believe the original Paul Simon, I think it's from here comes Ryman Simon and Bob James has this, uh, you know, he's this big band, uh, composer and arranger, mostly active in the seventies, wrote the theme to taxi famously, Angela, uh, Yes, Angela. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, and he has his arrangement and cover of Take Me to the Mardi Gras. It has the uh, that sample that's in Run DMC, uh, Peter Piper. With the whatever you call that instrument, that you, percussion instrument. Uh, and it's just, it's it's amazing. It's, it's a great arrangement. I mean, all those Bob James records uh, are just unbelievable. But, you know, the original Paul Simon is, is, is fine. It's, it's a kind of a... B-tier I don't Paul know Simon the Bob song. James one, so I definitely am going to check that out. Oh, it's great. It's on, I think, Bob James 2, 2 or 3, I think 2. Uh, his numbers are, his albums are numbered or titled sequentially, at least for a Like a Toto few. in Chicago. That It's exactly right. Well, especially <laughs> Chicago, right? What are we up to? 30-something with yeah, Chicago? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think the new one is called 30-something. They, because yeah. they're, they're not young anymore. And 70-something <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, twenty five so or sixty four. Those are the first two. It's yeah, the the all the Bob James stuff is just incredible. Oh, we will be checking it out. Kevin Burke, yeah. I want one or two from you. There's a couple that are pretty obvious thing to me, and to, to me, the main one is Van Halen's cover of "You Really Got Me" and the Kinks cover of I mean, the Kinks of the Kinks "You Really Got Me," which are both great versions. One yeah. is a definitive Van Halen version that is as good, if not better, than the original. Um, do you feel the one, same way about Pretty Woman? As long as we're doing Van I Halen do covers, not, I do not feel the same way about Van Halen's Pretty Woman as I do the, the original. I mean, I like Van Halen's Pretty Woman; it's good. But you really got me is is almost a, even though it's a cover, it's a definitive Van Halen song. You know, like yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Whereas Pre- Pretty Woman's almost like a novelty cover for them. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, Van Halen is argued be my favorite band. So me saying anything bad about a Van Halen song <laughs> yes. is, is very difficult. They're they're <laughs> arguably my. <laughs> Sorry. This is far from a allergies. Yeah. Uh, What's happening to you? Van, um, Van Halen's arguably my favorite cover band. Uh, well, that's that's a good <laughs> question too. Because they are great. They are great. And you know what? Right. Another another. I have one other song I want to bring up. But but in that realm of cover band, I don't think Metallica gets enough credit for being a great cover band because they have a huge amount of covers that are yeah. more famous than the originals. Their and don't I, cry out loud is fantastic. Yes. And they, their cover and, of Bob James's Taxi Theme. <laughs> <laughs> what I do like, what I do like about their covers is they're such a massive commercial machine that they that they actually get money into the hands of some of these people who made these original songs that aren't making any money off of those songs. But yeah. the one, the one thing, and Adam knows this. Every time I'm playing a, a song, I'm always like, how how can I turn this into a metal song? Like, how can I make this song <laughs> more metal? Like, I can, how, what palm muting or artificial harmonic can I do this? And I don't know if anyone's ever heard, everyone knows Radiohead, right? Everyone knows uh, Street Spirit, Fade Out by Radiohead. It ends the bends. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the um, with the darkness cover of this. This song, The Darkness. No. I love that the you brought darkness, the darkness into this. And they don't even change the song. This is not adapted. They just play it as is. I'm going to play a little wow. sample of it. We can take a, I'm going to play it for us live. 
but we'll listen to it on the actual um, podcast so you can hear what this is because it's pretty outrageous. There's nothing like this, and it's a straight up cover of the song. But it turns out that Street Spirit is secretly an Iron Maiden song, and no one realized that until the darkness made that made that knowledge. I, I just huh. in case any of you haven't checked out the darkness, the darkness started in the early ooze as what I would call uh, a a parody metal band that realized along the way that they were a real metal band. And yes, I, and I just yeah. I love both phases. The, so great. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. their definitive early video, um, I believe in a thing called love, still is I think one of the best tongue-in-cheek that's, metal anthems wow. and one of the best no-tongue-in-cheek metal anthems I would ever. I would say that's true, and, I, and I'd also say that they... Totally. A lot of original metal bands weren't that serious, and they were just sort of, you know, <clears> playing <throat> in that in that realm of, you know what, people started taking us way too seriously. We need to, to back this off. Yeah, and, and the, the, the boy from Pittsburgh, you grew up among people who took that seriously. As did most of America, Adam. It's kind of I'm what sorry. happened to Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, Brian, I, to, I don't know like, what it was like. I don't know what it was like on your lofty good. coastal experience, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wecht, I, I felt like you had a comment there that you didn't get in about the Van Halen thing. You seem to you seem to light oh, up there oh, for a what, second. What, what I was going to say, yeah, is there's a great uh, Oingo Boingo cover of "You Really Got Me" as well. Oh, um, I know that. Where is I, that? I I think it's on Only a Lad. Okay, uh, that first bit, the, that right. the album with. Uh, uh, on the outside and little yeah. girls and all that other. I think it's on that album, and it's uh, it's very. It's actually not like typical Boingo from that era, but it is really fun, and and worth worth listening to. We will listen. Yeah, In fact, let's listen to a little bit of it right now. Right now. Well, that is that different. <laughs> All right, I want to throw a couple at you guys, and mine are going to be in forms of questions. Um, obviously, one of the bands that people think you can't cover are the Beatles. And I was thinking, like, are there any Beatles covers that are better than the original? And I thought of one that I think absolutely is, one that may or may not be, and one that's just too different to really compare them. And I'm going to lay them all on you. I want to hear what you guys think about it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I would say that Stevie Wonder's We Can Work It Out is unquestionably better than the original We Can Work It Out. I, I don't, I, uh, I'm not sure unquestionable, but I'd, I'd put it up there with it. It's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, that's great, like early Stevie Wonder for sure. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Brian? Brian Frank? Agreed. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Jeffrey Brannion. All right. Yeah. We, we all, well, I didn't think one. I would get that. I was hoping like, these would all be from the Sgt. Pepper movie, but apparently that's not. <laughs> none of them are, except Maxwell yeah. Silver Hammer. We've already talked well, about Steve Martin's so, version is better. While we're start, talking about Stevie Wonder, I'm curious, um, real quick question. Do you guys like the Chili Peppers higher ground more than oh. the Stevie Wonder original? That was, almost on my, yeah. is, that was almost on my list, but that but that's in my realm of like the darkness doing Street Spirit. It's like it took the song... And moved it into this heavier direction. Right, it I mean, did a right. thing. It did a thing that made it. It's a more great question. Original. 
you know. Yeah, I agree, but I yeah, love yeah, them both. Yeah. I love it, both versions of that song. Yeah, so I think much. I think it's yeah. possible to make a, a different statement with the same song or or a, the same statement with different emphasis, maybe. Yeah, and that's, I, that, I, that brings I, me to my next one that I want to lay on you guys, which is which I'm still I got these three Beatles songs. Got to get you into my life. Uh, How does Earth, Wind, and Fire stack up against the Beatles? To me, it's half and half. I think the the purity of the Beatles' melody on the verse is is really hard to beat. Um, those horn breaks and stuff, though, on <laughs> on Earth, Wind, and Fire, they just hit so hard. So I'm it I'm, makes you want horns on everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I to me this doing it's just it's just doing a different thing, you know. It's just those are both great songs. I don't I don't I don't feel like I'm doing a one to one comparison with those. I'm I'm comparing two different takes on a great song. Yep. Mm, not all enough right. horns. Seems, <laughs> seems like we all agree. <laughs> How many kind of well, yeah, I actually I, I will say I come back to the Earth, Wind and Fire version way more do you? than the original Beatles. That's on that fair. And you know what? If okay. I'm being honest, I do too. Um, all right. And uh, the one other Beatle cover, you guys might not know it, but I love Billy Preston's Blackbird. I don't know if I, I know, know it. it yeah. I don't know if I know it. I, I love Billy Preston. I don't know it. I love, I okay, love then, Preston. Uh, you know, I got to say, Blackbird is one of the most underratedly well-covered songs by a very eclectic selection of artists. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a great one by the jazz pianist uh, Brad Meldow that I love. There's mm-hmm. one by the great late jazz bass player, Jaco Pistorius, off his Word of Mouth album, which is one of his mm-hmm. two, I think, solo albums. Blows mm-hmm. my mind. There's a lot of, I have a whole playlist of Blackbird covers, but I, I recommend everybody check out the Billy Preston one because it is special. Blackbird covers <laughs> in the dead of night. <laughs> the only other one I want to bring up is it was it was not a hit in its original recording then. I think it was for Dionne Warwick, but I can never get away from the Burt Bacharach and I think Hal David penned I just don't know what to do with myself. Covered by the White Stripes. That is one of my favorite covers oh, wow. of all time. That's yeah. That's you know. It, it's in, I actually was going to bring up another Bacharach uh, one, which is the the Isaac Hayes "Walk On By." Oh, do you know this? Mm. Which just I mean, better than the original. I don't know because that original Dion Warwick is so great. It uh, is. It's great. But, but I love oh, turning could- it into like. A slow 12-minute funk groove is, it's just, it really nails the isolation uh, of it. So th- those Bacharach songs, I think, are endlessly amazing. I agree. And, Brian, like, you, and actually, Brian, you yeah. are an excellent guest. Oh, thank you very much, Jeffy. <laughs> you know, I like, he also, he has a bunch of stuff where he's singing his own songs, which are sort of covers because his wasn't the original. Right. Right. Because so he wrote he for other people. Like, that's right. So like he has, uh, you know, wh- uh, what the world needs now mm-hmm. is love, sweet love, where he, he wasn't the original person to do it, but he has his version of it, too. So I, I yeah, I think uh, totally on the same page. I love Baccarat covers. Uh, as you well haven't mentioned Naked Eyes yet. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> one, that, you know what? That one, I will say. Uh, I like the original more. And actually, when we co- you know, we too. did cover that. Uh, you that covered SP Always and- Something There to Remind Me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, but it was more like the Naked Eyes version. And in fact, that was one, not to bring it back to Ninja Sex Party, but when uh, our producer Jim Roach and I came up with the original demo, it was more like, it was like a Cassio Tony thing based on the, the, original, uh, the, the original version. 
And Danny just vetoed it because he was like, no, I want to go 80s. He wanted to go full naked eyes, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, which is fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, it totally is. Oh, my God. That is a great Bacharach cover. I want to echo Jeffy Brannion and say that, Brian, you are the consummate guest on here. And I I, I want to um, reiterate my apology for pretending that you were our guest. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know there's no reason to repeat the the apology if it's not sincere. Well, Annette. Because I, you're talking me into not accepting exactly. it. Exactly. The more you the more bring it up, I just wanted to ask if you would maybe someday come back and you could come back silently or with yeah. voice. It's up and to you. You know what? It doesn't matter if you do come back, as Adam will say you're here anyway in future episodes. Hey, shut right. the fuck up, okay? <laughs> He's just going to be standing behind you. He's just going to be claiming that you're now. here the whole time. Yeah, I Ryan, tell of course. You. Ryan is just being really quiet again. It's it's he's 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 meditating Sm- right now. Smoldering. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> the one last thing I wanted to ask is, um, you know, you've been playing this character for for a decade or so, and then the pandemic comes on and everybody's got their face covered with a mask. Was that weird? Uh, yeah. Well, the the weird part was getting recognized in my mask because people are so used <laughs> to eyes. seeing Did that happen? Did that really yeah, happen? A few t- not like every day or anything, but like several times where I'd be out and people would just look at my eyes and they'd be like, Ninja Brian? I'm like, wait a minute. I guess I'm one of the, the people that this is just what people normally see. You're the eyes. only person who's recognizable <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a mask. In a mask, you right? and Batman. Yeah, no, you yeah, have Batman's right. inverse. Batman's in, you yeah, have Batman, Batman had the wrong right. mask. You are the inverse <laughs> Batman. That's amazing. Yeah. And, but you know what? Your eyes are so expressive and recognizable in all those videos and on stage that I could actually see somebody recognizing you. Oh, thank you. Um, I didn't know I was good at staring until I started doing this character. And then I, I guess that's a thing I can do. All right, this is the part of the show where, and because you're our second special guest now, 10 episodes in, where wow. we let you tell our listeners where to find you next. Well, uh, people can find <laughs> uh, people can find me. Uh, yeah, I mean, because our yes. listener is very interested in this, so listener, yes. no, I'm sure. Listener well, just, needs entertainment. Yes, yeah. Give your listener my number, and I'll, I'll talk to him. Uh, the uh, people can find me at bwecht b w e c h t on all the socials, and if you want to find Ninja Sex Party, just you know, look for our videos on YouTube or uh, on Spotify, wherever you get music. Uh, we're on everything and you can also check out actually since this is a podcast I'll plug my own podcast late night Do with it. Brian Wecht which is uh we talk to digital creators and all sorts of uh interesting folks it's just like a say long the name again please hang out late night so my partner in the in the podcast is a uh, her name her name is Leighton Gray and so the podcast is late night with Brian Weck. We started out as a live talk show, much like Ninja Sex Party. Started as a live show, realized no one was coming, pivoted to digital, and started reaching more people. So nice. people can find that nice. podcast uh, wherever you get podcasts. Now now I know what that sign is behind you. I've been trying to figure it out the entire time. Yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah. let me tell you what's not easy to transport is a neon sign with a flimsy background. <laughs> so oh, yeah. we used it at one show. It immediately broke on the ride home. And the only thing I can do with it, sort of throw, throwing it out, is keeping it in the background there. So it just hangs on this like stage rig. And I can't touch it or it will break. Can I, <laughs> oh, that's, can a, I that's, say, that's a great prop then. Yeah, we need Can more I stuff. say get whacked? You, you, yes. Okay. You know what, Jeffy? You well, can now say you that. said it. All, yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Ninja Brian, Brian Weck, thank you for coming thank down to so Dad much. Band Land. You are the Guys, best, man. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. This is a lot thank of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I'm We're going to go pay our speak. many, many bills now and then <laughs> come back with more Dad Band Land. Dad Band Land. Dad TBL. Dad Band Land.
And we're back on Dad Band Land. Oh, my Lord. I, you know, I'm almost um, into the idea of us short shrifting various musicians if they're going to keep you know randomly this showing is, up on our show. This is the best idea. Like, I've got a lot of bones to pick with Jimmy Page. So if I can just keep right. mentioning that, like, there's a pretty high yeah, chance well. I'll show up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't you agree, Bono, who's tied up and gagged behind me? Exactly. <laughs> Wow, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. He's going to hear yeah. that. He's going to hear that. He's yeah, going to get all be... bent out of shape Bono is. He's going to show yeah. up. It'll be, it'll be, and it'll be weeks before anybody hears this, so... Huh? Yeah. It will be years before Bono. You I mean, get it'll away be weeks. Be- yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> all right. Well, that. welcome back. And, uh, you know, wow. just like with on the Lisa Loeb episode, we've kind of exploded the format. Everybody's on board um, already. However, Kevin and I have business to get to. We do have So, Kevin, let's get to that. Our usual original business um, is we talk about what's going on with the band. In recent weeks, this has been talking about your repeated diplomatic failures with getting the band back together. <laughs> Failure! Uh, uh, frustrations. And uh, and then we, then we take apart a song. So let's do both of those things. Kevin, right. and I do know the answer to this this week, um, how's our band getting back together doing? Oh how's oh 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 really okay how's our band reuniting how's that going um yeah this yeah. well you how's know, it going with the reuniting that's what I'll say you know sometimes you take two steps forward three steps back four steps back five steps back what I would say is if any of our listeners know how to play the accordion I think that it's time for us <laughs> to start our they may be giants cover band might be where this is. This is headed. I think we do uh, t- have. T- tell everybody what happened because because it really and Jeffy and Brian don't know this story yet. But um, you after weeks of negotiations on a day a week or two ago, you made a breakthrough, right? Get us to there, and I'll take us past that. Yeah, without getting into particulars. I mean, I just felt like I had I had every, everyone had cooled off. I sort of brought people together. I got everyone to say, yeah, you know what? Let's just get back together and do this. Once we start playing, it's going to be the best. And you know what? I left a, a meeting, felt really good about it. Went and take a take a ski trip, and then um, then things didn't really continue the okay, way that so, I thought so, they were going. Oh, so okay, you and I exchanged a text message at around noon that day, and and we were really happy because everybody had more or less, in principle, agreed to play together again. Plus, we have two gigs coming up. Yes, potential gigs coming yes, up. Yes, um, for our they may be giants cover band. No, no. Well, now for that. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. So literally, and and Jeffy and Brian, I guarantee you this is what happened. Literally six hours <laughs> after Kevin went off to ski and uh, we, we were both in a good place, I received around 6 or 7 p.m. a text from one of the combatants in our band saying that they just had had a giant blow up with another member again and the and playing together was now never an option ever again. Yeah. So what you're saying is you created this podcast based around having this dad band and now you killed your and dad band you blew it up with we, this killed, podcast. We, we, we know. No, what we're saying is you, Adam and I are you, still we're in a band. You know we're what? Adam I'm and saying, I are going to join the Gallagher brothers because it's less traumatic it seems to be <laughs> between those two guys. Um I don't know. No, we no, no we're, right. we're 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 perpetual. I think Adam and I are a perpetual it's just that maybe some revolving members. We're going to end up being like Deep Purple, where there's like marks 
you know? It's yeah, I, like I do, I do want to reassure two. everybody that we, we, me and Kevin are already working on workarounds for these combatants that won't play together. But anyway, stay tuned. We have things in the works. We're a cover band, and it doesn't even matter if we're not a band. We will be back in action. All right, Kevin, we are breaking down now this week, breaking down the song. Back when we had a band, we played the song Satisfaction by the Stones. Yeah, we did. Going off our first segment... Are you doing the Stones Satisfaction or the Devo Satisfaction? Or the Devo Satisfaction. That, that we did is, the Stone Satisfaction. We did the Stone Satisfaction. We would never get keyboards. within a country mile of something that involved keyboards in our band. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a no-brainer. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, we did the Sorry, Stones I'll get to my keyboards the knife, in a, Adam. I'll get yeah. to my keyboards in a minute because yeah. I did add a really fun keyboard part. But, Kevin, talk, to, talk about... Talk about covering an iconic stone song. What was what else? And, and I want I want to really hear what you think about the Stones. Oh, what I think about the Stones? Um, yeah, I, I like and that song. I think. Well, I like that song. I think that's a great song. I think that that's like the archetypal, like just quick rock song. If you've never heard it, you get it very quickly. You're on board with it. I mean, one thing about it is it's it's very. Everyone knows it. Maybe it's a bit overplayed, but like nobody comes to see a cover band to hear songs they don't know, right? They come to hear songs that they do know, and that is one that always works. The one thing I found out about this song is that in some ways it was almost like a mic check because it's a song that starts with one guitar part, me, and then the whole band would kick in right after that first intro of dun 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 dun. So everybody comes in. You can kind of hear where everyone is. There's two vocal parts, right? There's two. There's a harmony. There's a main part. There's a chance for everybody. Except arguably a piano player, but there's a chance for everybody sort of to find their space in here. And I've always found that when we were All rehearsing, the real musicians. <laughs> yes, that's what you're saying. What, I'm, what I might be implying. Well, and you so know what? what I, I don't, found I don't is come in when until we were the rehearsing. When we were rehearsing, we'd be trying some new songs, and they would sound wonky. But then, if we always kicked into satisfaction, we'd always remember just how we played. It was always the best warm-up song we could do, and it always it always worked. And I think that's a great. Song. As for the Stones, I don't. I like the Stones. I think I like them the, the correct amount. I don't. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, there are certain Stones albums I love. There's those four with Mick Taylor that are that are I think perfect records that are in the you know late '60s, early '70s. Beggars Banquet through Sticky Fingers and and Exile, but. But overall, I mean, I don't. I'm not an obsessive Stones fan. I'm a much bigger Beatles fan. No, me neither. Fan. You know, and I think I, I think I told you I got to play in a cover band uh, that did uh, the Let It Bleed album in, in its entirety mm. with a with a woman Mick Jagger and a and woman like Keith that. Richards. I like that album. And a I got lot. to be Nikki Hopkins, which was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do. So did you play uh, country honk? Did you play country honk off of that? We album? played the entire album. <laughs> we played the entire Let It Bleed album, cover to cover, uh, side to side. But um, on satisfaction, just to talk about what we do yeah. on that song. Um, I as I think I think I described it as a wooly bully keyboard part. I add a little bit of cheese to it. Um, it's actually more similar now that I've listened to the, what I do again to the keyboard on uh, Prince's single from uh, the early '90s, Cream. Right. It's a, it's a similar it's a similar song yeah. structure actually. It's a very similar song yeah. structure, and it adds a little bit of fun to the song right. i think that bum, the song bum, bum, really bum, bum. badly oh, that's needs interesting. yeah um because i think a bunch of middle-aged guys playing satisfaction it's no more convincing when we do it than when the stones have done it every every year since 1982 well it plays and, better than um, my generation for that matter that yes actually, yeah, fair. a little bit better than that but fair yeah but adding a little bit of uh 
adding a little bit of camp to it, as my keyboard part does, I think vastly improves the experience. That's well, and it's a my basic, it's a basic rock and roll song. So I feel like, unlike some songs we did do, I do feel like there's a place for piano in it. You know, you could absolutely, you could absolutely drop the guitars out, and, and you could have a piano solo in theory if we wanted to do that, and it would still play. It would still have that rock, yeah, energy to it. No, I think it's a good one. It's one of the few that are. We talked about uh, Blitzkrieg Bop. It's one of the few that are over sort of overplayed but to me always works so i'm picking a stone song like that's one that people know people will get you know it just it just it just plays. and when i was in cover bands as a teenager and in my 20s and somebody in the band would go like yeah it's not that good but it always works there would always be like two or three guys in the band to go like oh come on man that's not a reason to play a song is and that how you blew up those other bands exactly shut yeah. up wait what <laughs> um but What's so funny about dad bands and parent bands and bands when you're just going to be a cover band and nothing else is when somebody says this one always works, everybody's like, yeah, let's play it. You grow, you change, you sell out. That's, yeah. And that's the whole point here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. People want to hear satisfaction. Guess what? We're going to give them <laughs> yeah, so, you know satisfaction. What? People don't want to hear satisfaction. Guess what? You're still going to hear satisfaction. It's one of if the you're seeing a cover band in a bar. You demand satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> there are a handful, and we should talk about that sometime. There are a handful of songs that are sort of classic rock songs that I won't do, that are just too... Yeah, what's beneath us? We should do a segment on that. Is there's there that, anything there's beneath us? There's that song us? that I won't... There's, what's, it's that Mellencamp song about the Tasty Freeze and shit. I can't do that song. Oh, Jack what and is, Diane? Yeah, that's the song I, I can't... I would totally I would, do Jack and Diane. I would Diane. walk out I would, of the I would, room. That's, oh where, my that's my God, limit. I, would do that. I can't do that one. That, that whatever that is. I can't there are do that. two kids that growing up in the heart. Yeah, yeah, that little ditty. I would... No, I would... Yeah, I would quit. I put my. I'd be like, this is it, guys. My integrity is, goes as far as this song. I had this friend wow. in college, and it was back when we were mocking that song, I guess. But like, <laughs> we used to. She and I used to sing it together when we were walking uh, to and from class sometimes. And we evolved a really, really tasty country harmony on it. Uh-huh. She she took the high harmony. Mm-hmm. Again, Are you trying up, to convince me to in do the heartland? And and we w- w- the day we hit that harmony, we laughed so hard <laughs> that that became like our favorite song to sing. Yeah, I don't, right. but I don't know why. I don't know why that's the hill I'll die on. I don't think that's any necessarily any worse than any other song, but that there's certain songs we just, I wouldn't do. Are there songs you wouldn't do? Yeah. You know what? We're going to have to make a segment about that because yeah. I, I would really need to think about it. Like, what's my limit of songs that I wouldn't do? Yeah, where, it's, it's like an extension of guilty pleasure. Where, yeah. Where, what uh, here's a line that on? we're going to cross right now. We're going to cross the Rubicon into commercial land and sell some ads for dead band land. Dad we'll band be right land back. Ads. DBL is back. Did you miss us? Is my question, everybody. Back and better than ever. I missed us. <laughs> By the way, if you want to tell us you missed us or anything else, make some suggestions, make some kind comments. Do that at any of our socials. That's dadbandland on all your major socials. Or send us an email at dadbandland at gmail.com. And now we are back for one of our favorite segments. Uh, maybe our favorite segment, really. Right now, it's my favorite. It is time for... Brian's House of Wax. (laughs) Brian Frank. It works every time. It sure does. It really does. I want to give Kyle McGraw some big ups for that little theme song because that is fantastic. Yeah, I, I need a cape. I need to right. <laughs> you know what? Welcome, Brian. Swoop in yeah. with your. <laughs> you just what do you have? Well, we, we previewed it at the beginning. What do you have yeah. for us in your house of wax this yeah. week? So, so 
This week, we're talking about Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which is their fourth album. Um, and there's actually a really interesting story uh, about how this album was released, uh, which is uh, even more interesting maybe than uh, the story of how it was made. Um, it's you know, it's, and it was well-documented, which is the interesting thing too, uh, you know, because of the era. So, uh, Wilco is a fantastic band, got its start as like a, uh, Americana kind of, uh, you know, modern country rock band. And they were on Reprise Records, the famed Reprise Records, home of Neil Young. Uh, and they had put out three records. And, uh, in June of 2001, they submitted this album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and it was actually rejected by their label and they were dropped by their label. And at first the label said, you can buy it from us for 50 grand. And then they realized that was probably a bad look. And they came back and actually gave the band the record back. They said, here, so you they can paid have to it. have the record produced, the label did, yeah. and then gave yeah. it to the band for nothing. There you go. And they got out go of their on. deal. So the I band was so much. The band was free and clear and they were frustrated by the whole thing. And they were actually, so what they did, and this is pretty progressive for the time on September 18th, 2001, they put the album up on their website for people to listen to. There were like, well, it's a weird time. you might remember yeah. that seven days after a very famous world event. Well, and that's the thing that's interesting, too, that I was going to mention is for me personally, this album is so linked to September 11th and hearing those songs at that time. And some of the songs are really evocative of that time. And it's so connected in my brain. There's a song, uh, Jesus, etc., with these lyrics that tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs, voices whine, skyscrapers are scraping together. There's a song called Ashes of American Flags. It, it's almost, I mean, it's so eerie how... It is eerie. You know, they, and it was all recorded before 9-11. All before. And so they put it out on their website, which was, a, you know, a really progressive thing to do at that time. Uh, about 20 labels came to sign them. And they ended up in November 2001 signing with None Such Records, which is another label within the Warner family. So the same <laughs> corporate parent... Spent money to make a record, gave it to the band, and then bought it back. And uh, and that's then, awesome. Right, I mean, how many stories are there where artists win to that degree? You, no, Almost no others. Slim to none. <laughs> and that's the one. And yeah, exactly. And um, and you can watch the the cool thing too is you can watch this all progress in the film that was made at the time. Um, Sam Jones, who actually shot that, you know, the iconic album cover of the, those Marina buildings in Chicago, he yeah. documented this whole thing. And I have to give props as a fellow manager to Tony Margarita, who's the manager of Wilco, navigating this whole scenario with his clients. Amazing. I'm sure he was as surprised as anybody, but give him, give him yeah. props I mean, for it. Yeah. And this film is, is just fantastic. It, it's, it's riveting this process that they went through. So they end up signing to Nonesuch. Nonesuch finally released the record on April 23rd, 2002. So, you know, as of right now, Happy about 20th. 20 years ago. Yep. And it ended up becoming the biggest selling album of their career. So think about that. Their label who invested in them for three albums rejects the album, drops them. And this record 
is their biggest seller. It hit number 13 in America. It's gone gold. Uh, and fantastic. it's become, it's just, you know, to me and to me too, it, it marks this really interesting point in their career progression because I'm a big Wilco fan. I've seen them in concert a bunch of times. I was with them from the beginning because I liked Uncle Tupelo. And the first record, AM, holds a certain place musically. Then the next two are kind of in a, the same zone. And then this one kicks off the whole next part of their career. What I'm no really doubt. interested in about this, I mean, I could talk about this for days, but I remember but you can't previously, because we're on a podcast. Exactly. But previously, when you mentioned the song Heavy Metal Drummer, Kevin pleaded ignorance. And I want to know, Kevin, it, was this actually the first time that you've listened to this album? This yeah, I want to really get Kevin's look at this. This is not just the first time I've listened to this album that I'm aware of. It's the first time I've listened to Wilco in any capacity. Wow. was this week. Okay. I and I, and I have, I have all about stories it. about, well... Here's the deal, and this is this is where we're gonna have to compare some notes here. This because, is a safe space. Yeah, we're gonna have to. I'm looking at this from a totally different mindset, but but remember, I'm gonna invent a subgenre because because I'm just gonna, gonna kind of go on a journey here. Because at the time that this came out, you know, and I was young and I was in LA, and this this album, and there are a number of albums like this, and I'm gonna just put this. I'm gonna invent the subgenre of. What I'm going to call Silver Lake Bro music, right? We're going to call this as like music that was very popular amongst my age group in that area. I'm talking about this particular neighborhood in LA, and, and I think every city has this neighborhood that's very trendy. And I was young and there, and it was there was a lot. You were of, young and trendy. I was young. I was at least in a neighborhood that was trendy. <laughs> um, I uh, but uh, but it was yes. there, and it was just part of the general. Everybody <clears throat> was playing it. It was it's a kind of music that would play in a coffee house that would not interrupt your screenwriting abilities. That was just kind of there. I mean Elliot Smith's in this category. There's a lot of and it's not that wow. I dislike it's not that I dislike this type of I think Beck is I would consider Beck to be to be Silver Lake Bro music and I like Jesus. most of Beck, oh, wow. Beck music, right? You know, it's not that I don't like it, it's just a particular type of guitar ish acoustic scene that happened in the late 90s through the early 2000s. I think in some ways in my mind it ends around Arcade Fire, that sort of thing. Like They all sort of end up in that same group to me. So I never listened to it. In fact, I sort of actively avoided it. Um, so now you're on a podcast. You're arguably an adult. And you've <laughs> had to spend, well, now, you've well, had now to spend the last... It's 20, <laughs> it's 20 years later, yeah. Well, yeah, but you have to. You're on this podcast. You had to spend yeah. the last week actually considering this music. Yes. And as somebody, I've been a fan of this album since since it came out. So I, I really want to hear completely, you know, taking away your prejudice against those goddamn hipsters and their clever little hats <laughs> and their manicured facial no, hair. And you're with me and because in the I sense fucking that hate that, them too. No, there's you, a you know sense what? That it doesn't make you a better person if you're ordering a small plate with three different colored <laughs> carrots oh on it. God. You hear me? Do you hear me, Devin? <laughs> so you got three different colored carrots. Whoa, Fuck whoa. You know, look, I, just, look, I just wasn't in the Wilco, dude. I didn't take it out personally on the people that live uh, there. De that, Devin is, can bite me. We definitely um, tapped into something <laughs> with you there. No. Okay, so you spent a week living with this album. No, but I... so You spent a week living with this album. So Tell I spent me a week it. living this album, and you're right. All my prejudices are 20 years old at this point. It would be like having a prejudice against Grand Funk Railroad in 2002, right? It's simply irrelevant what my thoughts were in 2002. So I popped it on, eagerly looking forward to this, because I know 
I mean, this is definitely the kind of album that is a rock critic classic. Like, yes, it went gold, yes. but it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. I mean, it went gold. Like, like it didn't yeah, sell not huge. Platinum. Not yeah. platinum. You know, I mean, it sold decent for this type of music or this group, right? But I also know critically, though, everyone, you know, everyone loves it. So it's definitely one of those records. And this is my experience. I popped it in. I'm going to divide it into halves. I'm going to divide it into sides. because th- I, think I, I, I find that your, your level of, of ironic and purposeful detachment, uh, your, your inability to get close to this music is very 2002. Oh, no, well, I would say that there's parts yeah, of this you, music that are doing the same thing, and that's we're, we're mutually meeting in that ironic detachment. <laughs> take, take us there. You play the music. I, I put the first it, song it. on, and honestly, yeah. and, and this is what the first song... I almost tapped out. I thought this is my. I'm like. I'm like. I'm like. This is my job. I got to get through this. But holy crap! And look, wow. look. I'm gonna wow. back this off. I'm gonna, I got. I got to get through the whole story here. Yeah. I'm trying to break your heart. Is is the yeah. one vocal melody for almost seven minutes? Right. It is seven minutes yeah. of the repeated vocal melody. And I and I thought, okay, this is like. It's got some coolness to it. And it builds up to these things, but. I'm not sure I can deal with 52 minutes of this. Like, if this is the if this is setting the tone for this record. I'm not sure. But I'm it in. isn't. It isn't. It isn't. And then it isn't. And so, so the second song hits, and it's camera. I'm on board. Holy shit, that yeah. was a great song. I'm like, okay, okay. Now uh, this, you know, you know what? Uh, this, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. Just in case nobody's heard this, there are people who haven't heard this album. Yes. Let's get the beginning of camera so you can hear how much you get brought along on some of the tasty, crunchy sounds that they eventually get you to. In fact, yeah, if 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 you wanted to listen to the first song, you get an idea of like just sort of the repetitive nature that did not bring me in, right? As as a as an album opener did not bring me in 20 years later. I just I wanted to go, I didn't get there, but camera camera worked. Camera worked on me and I thought, okay, I could do this. And then and then then it lost me for a bit. So I'll flip to side two. It started with heavy metal side drummer. Two. And I was like Holy shit, where was this band? This is a great song. That song was so good. And then it went right into the, I'm the man who loves describes you. you. It, no, it, it definitely describes an aspect of, of growing up. But still, just the music itself, regardless of the lyrics, and the lyrics are a whole other set of pros and cons, but just the music, just the energy, the focus, the creative choices, like the, it was really in the zone. And I thought, okay, this, this I could go with. This is like following up on camera. Next song, I'm the man who loves you. Also great. And then it went right into Pot Killer. Maybe my favorite song also on the Also great. And the, the entirety of the second half was so good, was so honestly extraordinary. And again, this is me losing the prejudices of 20 years. This is me. I look at that first song, that seven-minute first song in the world of today, which is I have a lot more things I can do in seven minutes right now like to can compete for this time. So well, That's not exactly bragging. but Well, you know, my point is... I, an insight into your home life is always appreciated. <laughs> and uh, so then that... Liking the second half so much led me back to, you know, like, like all... I was hoping this is where all, that story was going. All, you know, it's the, it's the rising tide rises, races all boats. I still have an issue. I would still, if, I, if, they ask, if someone were to ask me, which they didn't, but as an amateur sequencer or producer, I would have absolutely cut, cut uh, uh, Radio Cure in the first song and then, and then totally, <sighs> yeah, I'm saying it, but whatever. I have, yeah. no, I have no skin in this game. This album's 20 years old. 
But the point yeah. is, I think there's a great album in here. I think there's a great album that doesn't have to sound like a dated 2002 album if you're willing to go there. I do think it's of its time. There's definitely aspects of that in this. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It do, some of the experimental um, production aspects of it, which seemed sort of psychedelic and different then, just kind of seem relatively normal now. You know, they don't seem that odd. So I missed that aspect of the breakthrough, but. I'm glad I went back and did it. I mean, there are definitely some albums of, there are definitely some yeah. Silver Lake albums I'm never going to approach. This is one I'm glad I went back to I'm check glad out. you approached it. I, I, and I thank you for your journey. I want to throw it over to Jeffy now because Jeffy came to it like you did, sound unheard, yes. sight unheard. Well, so, I, I realized as I listened to it that I was familiar with Heavy Metal Drummer. Um, and I had a very similar experience, but it was... Uh, a similar experience uh, to Kevin, but mine was even more focused on not only the second half of the album, but the second half or the last portion of the songs on this. Actually, for me, it started with Ashes of American Flags, and like the last minute of that song is when I feel like it gets going. And that feeling for me was kind of carried over. I, I think maybe with the exception of Pot Kettle Black on the second side. Like I enjoyed the songs, but I really enjoyed the last part of it. And especially song 11, Reservations, like the last yeah. half, basically when they stopped singing. When it should be over. Well, I, it feels I, like it's when I the love, song picks up. Yeah, for me. I love like hearing be this because over. that's how you and Kevin are very different because Kevin wants to hear the song. And in some ways, Wilco's amazing sort of um, sonic exploration in some of these cuts is I knew that would be the kind of thing that would appeal to you, Jeffy. Like the second right. half of but Ashes I, but of I'm American Flags. The, the, second half of, the second half of Reservations yeah. worked for me because I went on this journey. And that was my actually my right. favorite. That was my favorite part. They it had they had earned my yeah. they had earned it for me, and I was like, okay, now I'm willing to go there. The first track hadn't earned it for me, and I wasn't really. Well, see, they earned it for me in the last 45 seconds of Ashes of America. I could Flags. see that. I definitely could see that. That's, I was breaking that's it in half. I, that's, that's when there. I woke. That's when I woke up. Yeah. And then <laughs> when I heard it. No, no, no. I, I yeah. wasn't asleep. Emotionally but, woke but up. I understand. I, but I I suddenly kind of snapped into what was happening like i was listening to it casually and then suddenly i was like oh yeah and yeah it, it focused my attention i'm i'm right. the well, same exact um, way we, i want to i want to cut in here uh, yeah you know I, are you I, hearing I, this I wanna, rain by the way it's raining right outside me is this uh Ooh, making shit it's crazy great. it's great I'm not okay, good. I, I thought you were that uh, was just you uh talking i'm about just the crying about this record um, it's so uh, it, it moved me at the end <laughs> Okay, um, let, let's let the fans of this record speak um, now that we're uh, 45 minutes into this. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, um, I, here, here's, here was my worry coming into listening to this album repeated times over the last week, is I loved this so much in 2002, it, I feared that it would just seem so dated to me that I couldn't enjoy it. And I went through a, a, a journey not totally unlike uh, yours, but... You know, with the sentimentality of a record that you love and you know every right. sound on, and the sounds are so weird. There's all these Tom Waitsy jangles and rattles and clangs and stuff. Except, unlike you know most Tom Waits records, there's this unstoppable push towards melody. Um, 
by the time I hit the middle of the record, I was right back where I was, but appreciating it from a later time in my life. Because mm. as we've mentioned before, Kevin, one of the differences between you and me, and to an extent, uh, me and Jeffy, although Jeffy straddles that line, is that I'm so lyric driven. Right. Um, and the lyrics on this album are beautiful. It is poetry about loss and lies and a search for renewal. And among all these unbelievably catchy melodies, well, for me, looking back, I now understand what I loved about the album. And what I loved about the album is that it completely covers the feeling of being somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 years old. You know, you're starting to dimly understand that although you're still young, there is some shit that is changing. Things don't feel new anymore. And all the lyrics, so many of the lyrics go to that. There's that, that just that, you know, being alive was easy when you're in your early 20s. And now here's Jeff Tweedy singing about uh, lines like, you have to learn how to die if you want to be alive. Or even more uh, poignantly on Ashes of American Flags, the line, I know I would die if I could come back new. And I think all of us who move into that part of our lives where we, we realize we don't want to be adults yet, but we are suddenly having to face the facts that we're not kids anymore. That album hit at exactly the right time to tell me that. That that I would have totally missed that because if had I if had I listened to it when it came out, that would have been whatever many years you away were, from me. You were and in that now, age, and now I'm. And past I looked it, it yeah. up. Here's the thing: I looked it up. Jeff Tweedy is exactly my oh, fucking age. That makes some sense. Uh, yeah. Well, but, but absolutely, born point, in 1967. Listening to it again, like. I felt that sense of nostalgia and I am younger. I was not grappling with those things. You know, when this came out, I was not of that age, but uh, you know, and I am less of a lyric guy, but I realized in listening to this, how much I remembered the lyrics and how much the lyrics resonate with me. Usually I don't pick out lyrics yeah. from things. And in listening to this again, I realized, holy shit, I know every word. Just like you were saying, Adam, so I know, right. Yeah. I know every little quirk in the sound. Of course I do. I always do. That's the way my brain works. But like, I remembered the lyrics and, and how they felt and how I felt listening to this after September 11th. And I think maybe what connects with me is like, you're talking about facing isolation or mortality or whatever, being an adult. And I think this is I a great, felt, I see where you're going. This yeah, is a great point. Go ahead. And I felt for me, it was, I had moved to LA from New York. I felt distant from what was going on. I felt separated from what was happening and some despair to that and losing people that I knew in that. And so this, you know, resonated with me in that way. But I would say if you are into, and th this is for Jeffy, but also for the Jeffies out there in our, our fan, who uh, is probably <laughs> similar to Jeffy. We you love know, for, you, man. Keep writing yeah, in. Yeah. For, that, for that experimental sound, you got to go to the next Wilco record and the one after. And this a is ghost where is they, born. Right. Yeah. And they go fucking nuts with that stuff. And that's what's oh, really cool. If you, if you start, yeah, if you start following their career, it gets really interesting in terms of that musicality and that experimentation and um yeah and what's funny adam is uh uh sky blue sky the record after a ghost was born uh john who's the guy who introduced us he and i went to that show together at the wiltern Damn. oh wow that's amazing brought it full yep. circle and uh, and a big hello to julius sharp if you're out there man yes. and listening ghost is born <clears throat> Yes. Ghost is Born is yes. a great album. All um, right. Um, I, I want to wrap this up in a bow. Does anybody have any last minute thing they want to say based on all this? 
No, I mean, ultimately, I ultimately, love yeah. a ghost is born. I don't know. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say this is kind of why we do this. You had a similar experience with Deep Purple where where I'm glad yeah. I'm glad I didn't tap out. Do you know what I mean? Like some of these records are good. <laughs> yeah. are, I mean, it's, it was just. And like, you know what? I've grown. In the spirit of that, Kevin, I want to give you a little gift here. Yeah. And I want to give all the listeners a little gift because this is a song that announces itself with so much um, joy in the middle of an album that is so conflicted. Let's hear a little bit of I'm the Man Who Loves You. If I could, you know, I would just hold your hand and you'd understand. I'm the man who loves you. Because that is an undeniable song. No, it's and those a, horns a great that come song. in. It's and you know fantastic. what? There's something to be said. Not enough albums. There's a handful of albums that get better in the second half. I put like Ziggy Stardust is one of those. This is one of those. Like most of them peter out after a great first half. So it's nice to find something that keeps building up to, to this. I highly recommend and it. And you know what else is like that? Exactly like that? This podcast. Because yes! we've got one segment <laughs> left and it's, it's going to be gold. a lot better. Although I can't believe we talked about this album and never mentioned the song Poor Places. Oh, that was Which great too. Is, yeah, was, that was part of my streak of greatness in, the, in that second half. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievably good. All right, uh, everybody, please check that out and also check out these amazing products. Dead Badland. Dead Badland. Welcome back. Dead. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking welcome us back. Now you 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 went ahead and did it. You just took all the thunder out of Adam was getting ramping up. He leaned in, his mouth was opening. A thousand times. I don't know. I thought he was, you know, I I thought he was just, there was an intake of breath. And I thought that was my moment. All right. So (laughs) you're a blabby pants since you're you're talking, Jeffy. Um, Why don't you kick off our new, our beloved segment, Guilty Pleasures. Jeffy Brannion, since you welcomed us back, welcome us into your collection and tell us what your guilty pleasure is. This way. Well, <laughs> uh, my guilty pleasure is um, I don't know if I've. And ever we're back. Felt- <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I was, I was spring loaded to do oh, that. Oh, how did that I happen? Guess, I guess I was, oh, back. man, I can't. Yeah. That was seamless. Ooh, okay. Okay. It's really raining out here, guys. I just want you to know that I'm gonna, I'm barely surviving. I, oh yeah, I we should mention outside. to everybody, Kevin is yeah. still in my backyard, and now it's, and now it's, it's been a beautiful LA week all week. Like temperatures highs in the 80s, lows in the 60s, and now it's like 50 degrees and and raining. Rain. I'm getting rained on. All right, Jeffy <laughs> Brandon. Should, should I start recording? Yes. Start talking. Tell us. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this is this is a song from 1999. All right. And as, as I was saying, I, I'm not sure I've ever felt this guilty. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> All right, I'm into this. <laughs> I mean, I'm having to take some deep breaths. I'm feeling okay. like I'm really kind of exposing myself. Like this is a yeah. vulnerable moment yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. Oh, I'm intrigued. All right. Okay, so. We forget. promised to support okay, you. Okay, I'm so do it. Just do right it. Now. We're definitely not going to turn on you. Brian's in. 
Tell us what that is and why you love it. That is higher from Creed. This, from this has gone too far. Clay. This has gone too far. <laughs> this, no. This Kevin, is supposed to be guilty pleasures. This is not guilty pleasures. Is supposed to be something that's kind of pleasurable and fun. And it's not. This is. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I should report this. This should be. This is. You can't. There's no. 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 This is guilty pleasures. You, you, there's no reporting. On. This is the definition of no, guilty pleasures. No. Well, this is the definition. Yeah, of I absolutely. support you. I, I support you. Full support. This is pleasurable. This is the it's, biggest challenge to our friendship I, that we've faced so far. <laughs> I, re- I really, I'm really having a tough time with this. This is supposed to be a safe space. What I want to say here is that that Kevin, I feel like your rejection of this moment shows. The various biases. No, no, no. The various biases that we all carry. Yes. There's certain music that, given when it came out and what that music existed in relation to, and what we thought it was a ripoff of, and our opinions that makes of us the unable of to hear the song. Too, yes. Yes. Absolutely. But like, not, I don't know anything about the people in the band. Okay. Good, Kevin. Well, I also I'm know. Gonna, I also I'm know. This you, is also. We've talked about this a little bit earlier. Is this, this is, problematic this is, in some no, way? No, no, it's not. It's not it. problematic in that way, um, but it's problematic. It's also we, we talked about how <laughs> terrible album covers. This is one of the worst album covers I've ever seen in my life, too. Oh, it this is, is the worst. so. This is grotesquely I mean, terrible. I saw better CG in the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. I, I want to provide context for everybody, and the context is if you if you're if you're one of the kids who's listening to our shows, and there's so many of you now, we love you. Um, <laughs> Creed was a band in the late 90s, early ooze. And what they essentially did, my understanding of it as an outsider, is they repackaged <laughs> someone who some wasn't of, in the band. They, <laughs> they repackaged some some of the uh some of the big trends from like five years before in rock and repackaged them in the context of their own Christian alternative band. That person. Yeah, that that could be. That's about right. It was sort of a distilled version of, in some ways, the 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 worst ideas of the previous so many years. And then part of the issue happened to be how massively successful they were. Like they, yeah, in some ways, Nickelback, like sour Nickelback here. took their place in some capacity after that. Based, yes. based Nickelback now is, is, is the Creed drawing of, all the fire yes. that Creed was. But I want to point out that like the minute that Kevin outside my backyard started dissing Creed. The heavens opened up, and that <laughs> I know, noise you I know, hear in the clear, background clearly. is literally the rain falling yeah, all around. Uh, yeah, He's gone from being my opened. co-host to a weather reporter. I am definitely getting so judged Kevin from the storm. Y- yes. yes, judgment. Judgment has happened to me, no doubt. Jeffy, tell us, tell us what you like about it, because in my opinion, that chorus is undeniable. His voice. I mean, t- tell us. Yeah, it's catchy AF. Yeah. His voice is great, and yep. and I frankly have a uh, an affinity for singers that sing in my range, so uh-huh. that I can sing along. Oh, hey, that's good, yeah. hey. I hear you, Jimmy Brandon. Yeah, and so you know, it's, it's a lot of factors, but it's it's catchy and mm. it's it moves, and 
it was used in the trailer for Titan AE, which I saw probably a thousand times. I fucking love the you, trailer, yeah. not yeah. the movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is this is what I find interesting about this. Honestly, is like there were so many songs from the '80s that I thought were so terrible, and then they they get a certain charm because time passes and you forgive them. And like I think and I think we're mm-hmm. getting here. I think we're getting to the point where these two thousand oh, songs that were terrible. Yeah, we're there. They, they can no one. longer hurt us. I think everybody but Kevin is there. Well, Kevin, no, I'm, just, I'm, there. Trying to, I'm trying to accept Kevin, that we've gotten there. Kevin, I'm, I'm Kevin really, since I'm, you're not there. Yeah. You're um, not trying to accept it because if you were trying, you would just do it. That's right. You know, but Kevin, since me. you're not there, I'm going to ask you to go next with your guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to... My, no my guilty pleasure is obviously has so much more integrity than that. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. No, that is not a guilty pleasure. It does not. No, I, I, I was about to say, I bagged you on you for this. Meanwhile, I'm about to drop something here that is so <laughs> preposterous. As if I'm, and just watch how I don't. <laughs> I know, don't watch judge how me. I don't do the no. same thing. Watch, you watch Jeffrey you know, be a better Jeffrey, person. You. Better Go person ahead, Kevin. Me. What do you have? Take the you're better per- You know, I'm just I, I. I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm evolving. I've evolved yeah. over this Creed moment. I mean, I'm not completely evolved. Lay it on us. All right. So here's you. here's the deal. Uh, here's the deal. This is the late '80s, and 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 naturally, horror movies were a very big thing, and horror movies at MTV were a very big thing, right? And you might be, and also a, a, a movie series which I'm a huge fan of, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street oh, series, oh, yes. is a very big thing. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. okay. oh boy, oh boy. Now you might be thinking I'm, that I'm picking Nightmare no. on My Street by by Will Smith. No, uh, no, Nightmare no, on My Street is not a guilty. It's not a guilty pleasure. Will Smith is still successful. This is. I am. I am playing. Are you ready for Freddy by the Fat Boys? In which Freddy Krueger himself, <laughs> Freddy Krueger himself, raps the first line. Are you ready for this? Are you? Oh, are you ready for Freddy? Please play it. I, that's crime. enough. You know what? You know what? I, I, I admire you, Kevin, for, uh, you know, busting on Creed <laughs> and breaking yeah. out the fat boys with You know, you know what? I mean, it definitely shows a consistency to my quality control that, that, that <laughs> Creed was a prob- problem. But, but this, no, and you know, to your point, Dream Warriors is going to be saved for another day because that's a perfect song. That's, that, that is a perfect song and a perfect video. But no, the fat boys made this song. This is not talked about. Dream Warriors still gets played. Nightmare on My Street still gets played. Fat Boys. Dream Warriors, which we were talking about uh, while we were listening, is by Dokken. By Dokken, yes. And um, yeah. But this Fat Boys song, which was a hit, which was licensed by, by New Line, completely forgotten to time and should be reappreciated. Yeah. Disorderlies was also a hit. I agree. And did, of course, yeah, I saw it in of the theater. Do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love Disorderlies. <laughs> All right. That's well, that's we've re- you guys have really laid down the gauntlet. Uh, Brian Frank, what could you possibly have that <laughs> tops the Fat Boys or Creed for okay. guilty pleasures? I mean, so, I mean, it's so, going to have to be like the one eight seven seven cards for kids theme or something. Like we're <laughs> fucking at the bottom here. So, 
my my little tune is uh, is the is the third track on um, Hall and Oates' uh, much maligned 1979 album X Static, and this is a uh, a John Oates led. <laughs> Already, wow, we are the, you know, we're breaking new ground here. This is really good. Let's, let's give ourselves Called, credit for, for featuring Called, songs by, by Art Garfunkel and John Oates yes, tonight. Solo Oates. It's called a, Portable. John Oates it's, yeah, it's called it's a portable, shout out to my friends in Garfunkel and Oates, too. Portable Radio. I'm going to drop this video in our little chat. Just please, can we just watch like the first minute, yeah. everybody? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Ready? Check out the space line, everybody. God, why? What? That's crazy. First off, that was, I don't even know if that's a guilty pleasure. No. I don't even know what that is. I, you know what that is? That's Nintendo music, is what that is. That's totally. That <laughs> oh is my absolutely. God. What a great. That was great. I'm into this. What so, a weird thing. I'm into this. So yeah, why? I mean, what's why? Why is that was a single yeah. that was that was promoted? So first of all, that that bass. That baseline is incredible. It puts a smile on my face. It is relentless. It is relentless. That's a cocaine-influenced baseline is what that is. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And um, the video is fantastic. It's on the streets of New York. And then for some reason, there's like eight guys playing on a tiny little stage. John Oates singing. (laughs) And um, at 2 minutes and 12 seconds, the trill that he uses on the R of radio... One of the finest <laughs> moments in music Very history. well. It elevates it. Kyle, let's hear that trill. Wow. Okay. I, so, I feel like, I, know, I feel like was, a gateway has been opened to me, and I may never come back. I, I feel like a portal that could destroy our world has been opened <laughs> yes. to me. Uh, but, uh, all right. <laughs> Let's just move on. Here's mine. Mine is, what do you got? Mine is what do you got very first? pedestrian. Uh, you know, th- what's pedestrian about it is I feel like this is a song that you're all going to like anyway, even though it's a song that we don't think about a lot. Okay. And and like a lot of songs I've rediscovered recently, it's because of my son's love of that Silk Sonic album, that Anderson mm-hmm. Pack and Bruno Mars album. Uh, one of the songs reminded me a lot of this song. And Jeffy, I know I texted you what it is. So Jeffy, could you play us a little bit of that song? 1977, here it comes, baby, buddy. I love that song is by Player. I'll tell you something. I'd never heard of Player before. I heard this song while I was under 10 years old and delivering penny savers and listening to uh, American Top 40. 
Um, <laughs> that melody is still with me. Uh, one of the things that makes it a guilty pleasure is I knew so little about that song that I thought that Player was some kind of legendary black R&B band, only to realize wow. that I had must have conflated them in my mind at that age with, with the, the Ohio, Ohio players. players. Yes, uh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That must have been what say. I did. Love I was like, oh, yeah, well, it's definitely R&B. It's definitely catchy. I definitely like this song. It's got to be the Ohio Players. It's that same band. Because nobody to this day knows what player looks like unless you actually Google them. This was their only hit. It, it, um, it's such a good hit. This is what, when I was little, little, I thought this is what living in the city sounded like. You just, <laughs> This is when you got on the subway. <laughs> You did stuff. Everyone was just singing this, feeling this. This is what being in a big city was. And you know, and you know what? I still feel that. I just heard it now, and I was transported to like 1970s New York that uh, I've never been to. I love it's that song. Archety- it's archetypal yacht rock, no doubt about yeah. it. But I, I love it. Now that's that is. I've, I'm smoothed out. Like all the all the anger yeah. I felt earlier about certain picks that my people might have had, I've, I've, <laughs> I've definitely come down. You've, you've definitely lowered my intensity level with that song. Well, well done. In any case, that player, baby, come back. I can't yeah. recommend anything else by that band. But Brian, have you heard anything else from that band, Jeffy? It's the only song Kevin? I know. No. Yeah. No. I think you don't. Yeah. yeah. But that's a classic. Unquestionable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And speaking of classics, this has been a classic episode of Dad Bandland. I want to thank first and foremost Ninja Brian, Brian Wecht from uh, from Ninja Sex Party. Please check them out. Those guys could use some well deserved success coming from our mighty fan base. Get wecked, Jeffy. That's gonna work. Keep working that. All right. Send your questions, comments, and your own (laughs) and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials. Dad Band Land is produced by me and by Jeffy Brannion. Cool Sonic Collage by Jeffy Brannion. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. Thank you, and we will see you next week on DBL. Dad Band Land! Starburns Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.